Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Thanks, Rob. Good worship. Well, uh, welcome to uh, windy Hadfield this morning. We've got some sun. We had some rain earlier on, but the wind is lashing around, um, which reminds me of a little bit of this uh, this book of James that we're going to continue on with today. Um, James is a straight to the point kind of guy, no messing. He doesn't try and talk us round gradually um, to his point of view. Uh, he goes in at the beginning and we get 20 words where he says who he is and who he's writing to. And then he's straight in there with, okay, stop life, uh, whinging about life being so hard and these trials just as we were singing in that song there. So we're going to continue today with uh, looking at uh, James chapter 4. And, and immediately he says that, he, he, he goes straight on. And in the last few uh, weeks, we've seen that he said, get serious, people. Your lives, the, the, the deeds have got to match what you claim to believe. You mustn't show favoritism. Uh, you've got to be careful with your language, with how you use your tongue. Stop, and last week we were listening, stop making stupid choices. There's a new kind of wisdom. What kind of wisdom are you going to choose then? God's wisdom or the world's? And today he goes straight on and he reaches what many people think is the climax of this letter and this series of challenges. Um, and he puts his finger right on the central issue as to why he's had to write this letter in such a strong way to start with. As I was looking at this, I was thinking, you know, if James chapter four was a TV program and it was going out before the watershed, there'd probably be an announcement at the start saying, um, some people may be offended by the content of this. Right, let's have a look. James chapter four, what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And as you, you read this, you think, it, who, who is James talking to? As he start, suddenly started to, to, to talk to some drunken hooligans, look at this, it talks about fights and quarrels and killing and you know is this down in the city on saturday night what's who's he talking to but then you realize that james is talking to the church 
So I'm immediately challenged to stop thinking how these words might apply to somebody else and to ask instead whether any aspect of what he says apply to me. It's easy for me to, uh, to convince myself that what I'm asking for in my, uh, in my prayers is not actually selfish now, is it? Uh, because what I'm asking for, um, the reason it's not selfish is, and then I can come up with any number of reasons as to why my prayer isn't selfish, whereas other people's might be. But God sees just straight through us. He can't pull the wool over his eyes. He sees into our hearts. And when we go on to verse 4, it's even stronger. He starts off, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? And you think, what? What? Adulterous? Are these people in the church committing adultery too? But no. James would have, uh, his readers would have known that he was talking about worshipping other gods, worshipping false gods. In the Ten Commandments, the very first one is, you should worship the true and living God only, and no other gods. And regularly, the nation of Israel strayed, and they stopped worshipping anybody, or they started worshipping other gods from the nations around them. And God sent prophets to challenge the nation and to say, you're breaking the agreement, you're breaking the covenant that we have with God. Uh, you're breaking an agreement, just like uh, a husband or wife breaking a marriage agreement and committing adultery. And so when James says, you adulterous people, they, uh, the readers immediately know that actually he's talking about challenging their worship of the true and living God. Um, they know that he's accusing them. And immediately I've got to ask myself, does this apply to me? It's all right looking at them and saying, hmm, they're not worshipping as they should. But I've got to ask, are there other things or people who are more important to, to me than God is? Can't get away with just saying, this is for other people. So, verse 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. And that's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. All I can say is, thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for the favor that you show and help me to be humble. In that verse six, help me to be humble. Help me to worship you as I should so I can respond to, to what James is saying. And then he puts his finger right on the heart of the matter. 
he puts his finger on the very reason why he's writing such a strongly worded letter in the first place when he says submit yourselves then to god these people they're not submissive and they think that they know better than god what decisions they should make how they should live their lives they've forgotten his kindness to them they've forgotten that when they were in sin and they were trapped and they were prisoners with no hope of escape that jesus came and paid the price they've forgotten it and now they're not submissive to god how they stupid how could they forget that but immediately i've got to stop pointing my finger at them and ask myself the same question do i need to submit to god this morning it's not about anybody else it's about me it's about you do you need to submit to god this morning and other parts of my life that i don't like get into uh, things that i wish he didn't know about and, and things which i can so often pretend that he doesn't see that's what james puts his finger on he says look bring it to god confess it before him admit weakness admit guilt and ask him to help us to do better submit stop pretending that you know better than he does i don't have any idea what's going to happen to this afternoon i don't know about you i suspect not but so often we pretend that we do that we can run our lives better than god can we don't trust him or maybe we don't think he's powerful enough to be able to look after us or maybe we think we know better but we don't do we god is trustworthy he is strong enough and of course he knows more than we do and he promises to look after us so james tells us clearly what we've got to do he says we've got to submit to him submit to god then and then immediately he goes on with some uh, very practical advice resist the devil and he will flee from you that word resist that's a military term that means don't retreat stand your ground and james is saying if we resist the devil when we attempted don't give in just say no devil i'm not doing that resist and he will flee from you we think he's going to give us a hard time but james says he's the one who's scared and if we resist he will flee come near to god and he will come near to you so come aside come read some scripture pray talk to god spend some time in his presence worship him and james says god will come near to you god is so ready and waiting for us to come um, come to him 
that he might come near to us. Wash your hands. That sounds familiar. Uh, no, I don't think it's Boris. This is James talking. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So in verse 10 there, humble yourselves before the Lord. Stop pretending that we know best. Confess to Jesus the stuff we've done wrong. Ask his forgiveness. Come humbly. Ask him to help us that we might do better. And as we sit here this morning and we're still in lockdown and we don't know what's going to happen, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Um, overwhelmed with our own inadequacy, how far we're short, uh, when we realise just how little we know. This tiny virus, uh, far too small to see, and yet it's, it's ravaging the whole world. And, and we may come and look at this this coming week and say, well, all the stuff that I know is going to happen, no idea where I've got the strength to get through it. And I was just thinking about this this week. And it reminded me of when I was a small child and maybe I was going on holiday. And I didn't know how we were going to get there. I didn't know where we were going. I didn't know anything. All I knew was we were going on holiday. So I didn't know anything. What was going to happen? And actually, it was very simple. That as we stepped outside this front door, my dad would get hold of my hand. And that's all I needed to know. Because as long as my hand was in his, let me just share this next picture. As long as my hand was in his, I couldn't get lost. I couldn't end up in the wrong place. I couldn't fail to get there. That was as much as I needed to know. And as we stepped out the door and he got hold of my hand, he just said, stick old. That's what he said to me. Just stick old. And it looks as though in that picture, the, the child is holding the, the, the father's hand there. But actually, you see, the father is holding the child's hand as well. And it's the same with us and God. We may have no idea what's going to happen to us this afternoon or what's going to happen this week or what decisions we're going to have to make. But if we have placed our hand in God's hand, then we can't get lost. And that's why James says, submit to God. Let him guide us instead of us thinking that 
we know the way better than he does. And this whole letter comes down to submit to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Submit to God in the way that we use our tongues. Submit to him in the decisions we make. Submit to him in the way that we treat others. Not being, um, treating the rich better than anybody else. To come before him humbly and put our hands into his. And if we do that, we know that we are safe. We know that we are guided. And we, we know that we are walking with him in this coming week. And I would encourage you to do that, to read these words again and to take time and to submit and to come before him humbly. Amen. <laughs>